It is so good to see you today. Everybody had a good week this week. Hey, listen, did you notice we're having a dry spell? How many of you are ready for that? My grass was about this high because I couldn't mow it and my neighbors were looking strange at me, but I, I fixed them yesterday. Amen. We cut the hay, baled it, and sold it. Amen. It is so good to see you today. What a wonderful privilege it is just to be able to speak to our church today. Pastor JP and his lovely wife are on a wonderful vacation. And how many of you know, if anybody deserves it, it's him. It is him. And uh, we, uh, I think they are watching. They, of course, are watching to see what I'm going to say to make sure that it's okay. But uh, I think we just need to thank God for a moment for a great, great pastor and pastor's wife. How many of you thank God for them? Let's let them hear it right now. Incredible. Incredible. Pastor JP has been preaching a fantastic series on characters in the Bible. How many of you have enjoyed that? Just an incredible time right there. And he asked me if I would be willing to continue the series on characters, and I told him, sure. So, I got to thinking about this word, characters, and if you're from Louisiana, that can mean a whole lot of things. <laughs> How many of you have met all kinds of characters? How many of you have been at one point in your life different kinds of characters? Uh, I'm telling you, uh, I, got to, I got to really thinking about this, and since the subject is characters, I'm going to quickly give you a list of Bible characters that you're going to be surprised. Moses, and what, what I noticed about this is that all of these were really characters until God got a hold of them. Moses stuttered. David's armor didn't fit. John Mark was rejected by Paul. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Amos's only training was in the school of fig tree pruning. Solomon was too rich. Abraham was too old. David was too young. Timothy had ulcers. Peter was afraid of death. Lazarus was dead. How many of you are glad God uses characters? Turn to your neighbor and say, he might be talking to you. <laughs> John was, you need to lighten up a little bit. How many of you know we need a little joy in life? Turn to your neighbor and say, lighten up, honey. Amen. People ask me, I'm going to finish my list, but people ask me all the time, how in the world you've been at this 60 years, pastored the same church almost 40 years, and you still got joy in your soul, a spring in your step. You know what? I've just discovered if you don't keep your sense of humor, the guys in the little white suits will soon come and pick you up. <laughs> John was self-righteous. Naomi was a widow. Paul was a murderer. Did you know that? How many of you knew that the man who penned half the New Testament was a murderer? You're so reluctant to admit that. So was Moses. Jonah ran from God. Miriam was a gossip. Gideon and Thomas doubted. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Elijah was burned out. John the Baptist was a loudmouth. Martha was a worrywart. Mary was lazy. Samson had long hair. Elisha had no hair. Did I mention Moses had a very short fuse as well as Peter and lots of other folks as well? You know what the good news is? That God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. 
Now, here's, here's what we got to think about. In fact, I want to tell you this. When Carol and I uh, first started the church in Fort Smith, Arkansas, a long time ago, little church began to grow, began to grow. We had a few hundred people. Looked up one Sunday in the little old building we had, and there was a Fort Smith police detective had brought his family. He sat through the service, and I was back at the back door greeting everybody after it was over with. He walked up, and I said, so good to have you today. I knew him. I said, so good to have you today, detective. So glad you came and brought your family. I said, did you enjoy the service? He said, oh, yeah, pastor, I really enjoyed the service, but I need to tell you something. When I looked over your crowd, I started to go back to my car and get my gun and my badge because I've been looking for a lot of folks in your church. Now, that would have offended somebody. I thought that was a compliment. Come on, we're not, we're not a museum where we show off the saints. We are a hospital where we heal sinners and restore and rebuild lives. That's who we are. No wonder pastor preaches so good here. Anybody could preach to this crowd. My goodness. Turn to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor and say, you may be a character, but you're better than I thought you were. Tell them that right now. <laughs> oh, Yes. <clears throat> The truth is, the truth is, and this is what I want you to think about for a few minutes, God sees us most of the time very different than we see ourselves. I grew up in a kind of a, none of you know anything about this, but I, I grew up as a child, as a boy, teenager, high schooler. This may be why I didn't come to the Lord till I was on up in high school, but I grew up in somewhat of a negative religious environment. Any of you know anything about that? And you could hear it in their songs that they sang. By the way, how many of you thank God for this wonderful praise team? Come on, incredible. But, but they, uh, it was such an atmosphere of negativity that, uh, you know, they would sing songs like, burdened down with sorrows in a weary land. We're just a band of pilgrims on the move. I was a teenager sitting in the back. This thought crossed my mind. I really don't need any of that. I got enough troubles of my own. But that's not how God sees us. If you haven't heard anybody tell you this lately, God is not mad at you no matter where you're coming from. He loves you. Incredibly, and here's what I want you to remember. God sees you very differently than oftentimes you see yourself. That's, the, that's true of this list of characters. God saw them in a light that they did not see themselves. In fact, the Bible uses the term gap. I want you to pick up your Bibles, and I want to read you a verse that has the word gap in it. The book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. I want you to look at that verse. Here's what it says. It happened, now it happened, when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, if you're not happy with that pronunciation, help yourself. <laughs> when they heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps, the gaps were beginning to be closed. Look at that. The gaps were beginning to be closed. How many of you see that phrase on the board right there? The gaps were beginning to be closed that they became very, what's the word? Angry. 
Now, these were the enemies of the nation of Israel that are listed there, Sanballat, Tobiah, Arabs, Ammonites, Ashdodites. When they got word that the gaps in the walls of Jerusalem were beginning to be closed, they became very angry. Let me tell you, the maddest the devil ever gets is when somebody makes a decision to start closing the gaps in their life. Because, well, come on, give the Lord a good hand because that's true. That is true. Because, because gaps in the wall of an ancient city in biblical times was an opening for the enemy to not only defeat them, but to conquer them and to take them away as slaves. So when this, this verse was written, God's people began to close the gaps and it made the enemy very angry. Let me tell you something. Satan wants you to live a gappy life until you die. God wants you to live an abundant, complete, fulfilled, victorious life until you finish your assignment here on earth. Now, look, look at that next verse. I know, you know, in today's world, you don't read a lot of, of the Bible in, in, the, in church, but I'm not a part of today's world. I love this book right here. Look at this. The Bible tells us that all of them, this is verse 8, conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create, what's the next word? Confusion. Those two things, anger and confusion, are the number, two of the number one weapons that Satan uses against every person. Now, I want you to think for a moment about what I just said concerning gaps I want you to think about this in application to your personal life, to your marriage, to your family, to you and your children, to you and your grandchildren, in your business. Are there any gaps? Listen to this. New Testament, 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about looking for gaps. That's the Kemp Holden version. King James version is seeking whom he may devour. Be sober, be vigilant, be on watch, be on guard, be aware that Satan is walking about as a roaring lion seeking, what's this? whom he may devour, indicating that everybody he comes across cannot be devoured. I happen to be one of them. You as a child of God happen to be one of them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. You got a piece of paper and a pencil, write something down. Closing the gaps in my life. There is a Bible character. You thought I'd never get to my character, but I'm going to. There is a character in the Bible that had serious gaps in his life. Pick up your Bibles and go to the book of Judges, chapter 6, 
And there is a fantastic story of one of my favorite characters by the name of Gideon. The Bible gives us a little bit of background here. That the nation of Israel, under the period of the judges, had fallen into sin, into idolatry, began to worship idols. As a result, their rebellion against God allowed them to be vulnerable and they were taken captive. And the Bible said for seven years, they served slavery as slaves to their captors. And the Bible says that when they would grow a crop, as soon as it matured and came to harvest, the enemy would come down and steal the harvest, and they continued to struggle in their hunger and slavery and poverty. This went on for seven years. But eventually, this kind of life drove them to realization that God alone could save them and deliver them. Pastor Isaac Stooksbury, if you were not here Wednesday night, you need to come on Wednesday night. He preached an incredible sermon and told his own story of how that drugs and addiction had enslaved him, but eventually forced him, lying flat of his back, to cry out to God. He didn't even know how to pray. He was a character, let me tell you that. He was a character. He said that himself. I'm not saying that. He said that himself. But he cried out. He didn't even know how to pray. He just looked up with tears in his eyes and said, help me. How many of you know it's not how fancy you pray, it's how sincere you pray from your heart. (laughs) Glory to God. He called out. Some 17, 18 years later, he is delivered. He is a born-again child of God. He is leading a fabulous ministry with many people delivered in this church because he decided to call out to God. So that's what Israel did. If you've been going through tough times, there is maybe a purpose. Maybe God wants you to cry out to him. In fact, while he was speaking Wednesday night, the Holy Spirit quickened a verse, to, a verse in, in the Bible to me. You know what David said? He said, in my distress, say with me, distress. Anybody here ever been distressed? Well, pray for us sinners if you have not. <laughs> in my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Suddenly, Israel began to cry unto God. And the Bible tells us in the book of Judges, chapter 6 and verse 11, God sent a deliverer. Look at this. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under a terebinth tree, which was in Oprah. That's an interesting word. Which belonged to Joash, the Ebi Ezrite whose son, Gideon, threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. I want to show you something you may have never noticed. In most translations, now, the word angel is capitalized. Go back and look at that. This is verse 11. Now, the angel of the Lord, capital A, How many of you know only one angel in the Bible can gain a capital letter in their name? Do you notice the difference there? You know why this is capitalized? Because this is no ordinary angel. You know who this is? 
This is an Old Testament appearance of our Lord and Savior, Christ, who was in existence before the world began, and he appeared to Gideon in the wine press. This is an appearance that's called by theologians a Christophany, an Old Testament appearance of Christ. The angel appeared where Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. A wine press was a hole in the ground. He was there threshing wheat, looking over his shoulder, scared, fearful of the Midianites. And the angel, capital A, of the Lord appeared to him and said unto him, listen to this, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. You got the wrong guy. I'm, I'm buried in a hole of the ground. I'm looking over my shoulder all the time. You're talking to the wrong person. You notice what God called him? The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Yeah, right. It's interesting. I think that Gideon was probably from, from Alabama. Because watch this. The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Verse 13, Gideon said unto him, oh, my Lord. Isn't that good Alabama vocabulary right there? Oh, my, anybody here ever said, oh, my Lord. If you lie, you fry. Let me see your hand. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Then he used the next word that we use more than any other. If. This is really a great guy, isn't it? Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us. The next is our second favorite word. Why then has all this happened to us? And the third first, uh, most popular word, where are all his miracles that he, our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this thy might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent you? So he said unto him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, you're talking about great self-confidence, tremendous self-esteem. And the Lord said unto him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. That was Gideon, the Bible character. How many of you know that's in the Bible for a reason? I mean, you can't find a guy more negative, more defeated, more downcast, more down on himself than Gideon. I'm going to give you two or three quick statements. Number one, God saw Gideon different than he saw himself. The Lord said to him in verse 12, you need to mark this in your Bible. The Lord is with thee. This is the King James Version. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. He did not see Gideon as a man in a hole, hiding from the enemy, full of fear. I appreciated what Pastor Patrick said today about speaking to your fear, preaching to your doubt. You need some time to hear something else than what you hear on the six o'clock news. Can I hear an amen to that? I don't care. I don't care what's going on in this world. I want to make a declaration. God Almighty is with me, and that is what I need to know. God is with you. 
The Message Bible says, O mighty warrior, God is with you, mighty man of valor. But now Gideon did not see himself that way. He saw himself very differently, fearful, scared, in a wine press, in the ground, intimidated, insignificant, paranoid. Listen to his language. One translation says, behold, he spoke back to God and said, my family is poor in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. I like it in the message Bible. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the runt of the litter. Mercy. But you know what? Gideon oftentimes is like most of us. He had no idea what was really in him. He felt completely totally, absolutely incompetent, underqualified to do the thing that he believed God was asking him to do? Have you ever wondered if God got confused with you and someone else when he spoke to you to do something and you said, I can't be the guy? Now, here's the second question. How could God see him as a mighty man of valor. He's in a hole, hiding, trembling, fearful. And God looks at him and sees him in a completely different way. God sees him, one translation says, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. How could God see him as a warrior? The answer is in verse 12. The Lord is with thee. The Lord is with thee, mighty man of valor. God saw Gideon as a hero because God himself, say with me, God himself. Say with me, God almighty. Say with me, God omnipotent, all powerful. God saw himself that he would be right there with him every step of the way to turn him from a fearful person hiding in a pit to a deliverer that would bring deliverance to the entire nation of Israel. Now, I want you to notice something carefully here. God does not, I want you to pay real close attention to what God says. God does not say to Gideon, You are a mighty man of valor. That's not what he said. He said, Gideon, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, if that ever dawns on your head, that God Almighty, how many of you believe as a born-again Christian, you have God Almighty living on the inside? The creator of heaven and earth the all-powerful, omnipotent, eternal God that nothing, nothing can stop him, nothing can prevent him, nothing can restrict him. God Almighty is resident living in you. Let me give you a verse for that. In the book of 1 John, the Bible said, you're of God, little children. How many of you here belong to God? Put your hand up if you do. Put your hand up. Make a declaration. Say with me, I am a child of God. You need to get up every morning. When you're getting ready to go wherever you're going to go, you need to get up every morning, put your hand up and say, Kemp Holden, you don't use my name, you use yours. Kemp Holden, you are a child of God. You know what that means? Let me give you a New Testament verse. It says, you are of God, little children. 
and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know what Jesus said? He said that with men, it may, something may be impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. That list that I read to you of Pastor JP's characters, you know what you, know what you discover? You discover that they stopped the mouths of lions. You discovered that they opened the Red Sea. You discovered that they fed 5,000 men beside the women and children with five loaves and two fishes. You discover that they raised the dead. You discovered that they healed the sick. You discovered that they were workers of great miracles, not because of who they were, but because the greater one lived on the inside. It's not just you're a mighty man of valor. That's the humanistic deal. I'm the big stuff. Glory to you. No, not, wouldn't be glory to God. Glory to me. I'm the big stuff. Oh, no, you're not the big stuff. The big stuff is what lives inside of you. The apostle Paul said, we have this treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. God saw himself inside Gideon and knew that Gideon would become a mighty man of valor, not because of Gideon, but because of him. You got to see yourself that way. I hope you're not offended by this. How many of you, if I said something that you didn't like, you'd stay saved? Okay, forget that. There was only... There's only five of you. Okay, now don't be offended by this. I'm getting up my nerve. I don't like cats. I knew I would split the church. Now, my wife loves cats. So consequently, Marriage 101, we have cats. I mean, it's not complicated. You think, where's my wife at? Stand up, sweetheart, stand up. <clears throat> Come on, get up, obey your husband. Now, stand up, stand up, stand up. She had no idea I was going to talk about this. Can you imagine me fussing about having a cat or two and give up that woman? I'm going to tell you, man, I'm keeping the cats because I'm keeping the woman. And, and you say, oh, that won't work. Really? It's worked 57 years. Now, she has been a master at picking out beautiful cats. Really? She could pick out cats that wouldn't shed in the house. I was kind of proud of that. She had a great black cat, beautiful cat called Smokey. I didn't like him, but he was a great cat. Uh, Smoky, and then she had, a, she had another cat or two, and then the, the last one she brought home as a little bitty kitten. And he was, he, was, he was just the color of a piece of butterscotch candy. And so you know what she named him? Butterscotch. The amazing thing is, that cat liked me. He didn't know that I hated him, you know. But really. Cats come to cats like, cats like me. My grandkids have a cat. And so help me goodness, we can be having a family get together. Everybody's sitting around talking. That cat, when it comes in a room, he'll come get in my lap. 
and sit there the whole time and look up at me and stroke his head on my hand. And I stroke him back, hating every minute of it. (laughs) But this butterscotch cat was absolutely amazing, really was. Anyway, one day I was walking through a a store that had a bunch of cards, looked up at this card, so help me goodness. There was Butterscotch's picture on the front of one of those greeting cards. I said, how could, you you think I'm joking? I'll just show you a picture. (laughs) My kids and grandkids will testify, that's exactly the way Butterscotch looked. And I had no idea what he was doing in his room. He was recognizing that he wasn't a little weak kitty. He was a lion inside. Now, let me tell you something. You got a mirror. Where'd it go? Come back. Come back. Come back. You got a mirror. Let's thank everybody up in the, uh, up in the, up there. Thank you guys. You got a mirror. You got a mirror. If you'll ever look in it. If you look in the mirror called God's Word, you'll discover that you've got a lion living on the inside, and his name is the lion of the tribe of Judah that has defeated the enemy forever. You are victorious. About to preach myself happy right now. Don't go around, meow. That ain't what you have. You know what you have? You have a You got a roar on the, anybody here ever roared? Except except at the Alabama-Auburn games? Come on, I want you to practice with me. I know we're in church and I probably won't ever be invited to speak again, but I want to tell you, I'm just feeling pretty good today because I feel God's presence. You're a bunch, you're a bunch of folks with the lion of the tribe of Judah living on the inside and you need to act like it. Come on, could you be childish for a moment? On the count of three, let's see what kind of roar we can put in this building. You ready? You say, Pastor Holden, I ain't never heard no preacher like you. That's okay. There's only one of me. That's all we can stand. Are you ready? Here we go on three. One, two, three. Woo! Hey, you're not, you're staying, you're kind of with this, aren't you? Let's do that one more time. You ready? Next time the devil sticks his nose up in your face, you don't back down, don't give up, don't give out. Say, bring it on, baby. That's what Butterscotch evidently was doing in his bedroom. He was seeing himself as a lion. Now, quickly, quickly. How many of you know when a preacher says quickly? It can mean a lot of things. I'm going to keep my word. Number three, you ready? Gideon had the same questions that we have. Listen to his questions. Why are all these problems mounting up? That's in verse 13. Second question, where's my freedom and fulfillment? That's in verse 13. Where be all his miracles which our fathers told told us about? 
Third question, where is God when I need him the most? Anybody in this room ever said that? Y'all the most spiritual crowd I've ever preached to. In fact, he said in verse 13, but now the Lord has forsaken us. You know what amazes me about this? God was not angered by his questions. Do you know, I, I've been around a lot of folks sometime, and they th- think if you, if, you, if you ask a question to God, oh, that's the worst thing you can do. Why? You know, God's not offended by why. That went over really good, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> No, God's not angered by our questions. God did not say, okay, Gideon, you doubting Thomas. Well, Thomas wasn't born in, but you doubting outfit. Uh, Let me find the next guy. That's not what God said. You know what God said to him? He said, Gideon, looked upon him and said, Gideon, go in this thy might. This is verse 14. Go in this thy might. Thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? God did not give up on him because he failed a few tests. Listen to me. The Bible is a book of successful failures. Because God doesn't give up. He keeps coming back. He keeps coming back. He keeps coming back until he gets it done in your life. Somebody needs to hear this right now. You have tried. You have done your best. And you have failed. You may have drifted away from God. But God has not drifted away from you. He is saying, come back into my arms. I want you to be close to me. Can I hear an amen to that? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Start where you are. God understands where you are and where you desire to be. You today, by the grace of God, can close the gaps between where you are and where you want to be. Where you are in your marriage, and where you want to be in your marriage, where you are in your relationships with your children or your family, and where you want to be, where you are in business, and where you want to be. Put both of your hands up just like this. Put them up over your head just like that. Come on, they're not going to break off. Put them up right now. Come on. You ready? What God wants to do in the next few moments in this church service right now God wants to give you the strength and the power and the encouragement. Watch this. To close the gaps in your life. Bring your hands together. Put them together tight. What am I doing? I'm closing the gaps in my life. My prayer is that when you walk out of this church service today and anybody asks you, how you doing? You say, I'm doing great. I'm closing the gaps in my life. They're going to walk. <laughs> they're, going to, they're going to walk away saying, boy, he's a character. <laughs> and if you hear him, you're going to say, yes, I am. And I got a big family of characters too called believers and brothers and sisters in Christ. Can I hear that? Thank you for that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I've been praying for a couple of weeks regarding this service. I really felt like the Lord spoke to my heart 
that this was the message that I was to bring to you today. I'm really from the, the old school. I believe that the Holy Spirit still speaks to people today. And I believe that he has a specific word for a specific people at a specific time. And I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to many of you here today. I feel God's presence. I'm a believer in the presence of God. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence, mountains move. In his presence, uncrossable rivers can be crossed. In his presence, impossibilities become possibilities. There's some of you in this room that you've been struggling with a physical sickness or illness or disease in your body for a long time. You see yourself as that way for the rest of your life. God sees you as healed and well and restored to health. I'm living proof of that. <clears throat> 18 years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. I spent 17 days in the Texas Medical Center in Houston. The good news is, the good news is, 18 years later, I am completely cancer-free, healed by the power of God. I saw myself in the hospital. God saw me as finishing my journey in ministry. We need to see ourselves as God sees us. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I'd like to pray for you. There's a wonderful presence of God here. We're going to, we're going to dismiss in a moment, but right now we're going to honor God's presence. Father God, I thank you for your favor and your blessing upon us today. I thank you, Lord, that you are present in this room and my heart is humbled. Lord, I am humbled before you. Oh God, accept my thanks for favoring us with your presence here today. Lord, I, I pray for every person sitting in this room right now, all over this building, I pray for them right now in the name of Jesus, that you would enable them to recognize that the way they see things are not necessarily the way that they're supposed to be or going to be or have to be, that you will enable us in our pit to close the gap and become a mighty man or woman of valor. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed and nobody's looking around, I just feel in my heart to, to ask this question. How many of you in this room will say to me, Pastor Holden, I've tried and tried, but I've not, I've not attained what I what I wanted to attain in my relationship with God. I'm not sure even if, if, if I'm a Christian today. I do not know that for sure. But I'd like for you to pray for me that I could know that I know that I know that I know that my sins would be forgiven. And I want, you, I want to guarantee you right now, this is a guarantee. You can know that you know that you know that you know that your sins are forgiven. I can promise you that. Many of you are already lifting your hands 
I don't want anybody looking around, but I want, if that's you, you need to know that you know, I want you to put your hand up and I'm going to include you in my prayer right now. God bless you. 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 I'm in the middle section here. Help me to see you. God bless you. God bless you. Way in the cascade. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Down here on the lower level, just put your hand up and say, Pastor Holden, please include me. And God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Over here to my left in the cascade first where I can see you. Put your hand up and say, God bless you. 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 All right, on the lower level, down here on the floor, put your hand up and say, Pastor, I need to know that I know that I know that my sins are forgiven. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You may put them down. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now listen carefully to my next question. How many of you will say, Pastor Holden, there is, I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I know I'm a believer. But there is a particular area where there is a gap in my life that I would like for God to help me to close that gap miraculously and supernaturally. I need God to close the gap. I mentioned four, five, six, maybe eight. There's, there's 18 others we could talk about. But there is a gap in your life that you need to close. I want you to put your hand up right now and say, Pastor, that's me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Oh my goodness. Dozens and dozens of hands. Just continue to lift them right now. God bless you. 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 You may put them down. Now I want you to, I want you to bear with me for just a moment and this will take but just a few minutes. But I'd like to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. I'd like to pray for every one of you that lifted your hands. In a moment, we're going to stand together all over this this building. And instead of walking out the door, I'd like for every one of you, I would just ask that no one leave the building for the next couple of three minutes. Just stay with me here, will you? I'd like for those of you that lifted your hand to do something you've never done before, But I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and believe that God is going to meet you and close that gap in your life. If you've come with friends, they'll wait for you. This will take but a moment, but I want us to take a step of faith. We're going to stand together. I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to stand all over the building. As you stand with that motion getting up, I want you to step in the aisle closest to you. I want you to walk down that aisle. If you're in the cascade, just make your way down those steps. And I want you to stand with me here at this prayer altar. The reason this has been built so big is because this is a place of prayer. I want you right now from all over this building, if you lifted your hand, I want you, you're not joining anything. I want you to step out and come and stand right here. And I'm going to pray for for people are already coming. That's what we need to do. Get up on your feet right now and just follow these folks and just step as close as you can right here. God bless you as you do. God bless you as you do. God bless you as you do. Just keep coming right now. Keep coming right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It's all right. If you you need someone to help you, we will help you. We will help you get here. Glory to God. Glory to God. Just keep coming right now. Keep coming right now. Keep coming right now. God bless you. God bless you. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask you to help me just a little bit. Step back just enough that someone could walk right there in front of you. And I'm going to ask 
the prayer partners, the prayer team, the folks that, that help us in prayer. I'm going to ask you in a moment to just, if you will, if you, in fact, just make your way around to the front. If you're a part of the prayer team, just make your way around to the front where you can just walk through here and we're going to pray. This is going to be a, this is going to be a life-changing moment. If you can't get to the front, just, uh, just as close as you can there at the aisle. Just, just keep coming right now. We're going to close some gaps here today. I want you to know. Amen. I believe the Holy Spirit has, has spoken a word to my heart that today's a life-changing moment in Summit Church. I believe things are going to be different from this moment forth, not because of Kemp Holden, but because of God's power and God's might. Amen. For with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Just keep coming. They're still coming. We're going to wait on you for just a moment. Just keep coming right now. If you cannot, if you can just barely get in the aisle where you are, that's okay. I just want a step of faith right now. Oh, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. You are so wonderful. You are so awesome. Folks, are you aware that we're in God's presence right now? Are you aware that God Almighty is closer to us than the clothes on our back? Amen. That the God of miracles, the God of power is here right now. I'm going to pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Father God, I pray for every man, woman, and student that is standing at this prayer altar right now. That in the name of Jesus, at the point of their need, wherever the gap may be, wherever the gap may be, wherever the gap may be, in Jesus' mighty name. Lord God, I'm asking you for a miracle in closing the gap in Jesus' powerful name. Glory to God, in Jesus' powerful name. I want you right where you're standing, take both of your hands, lift them straight up, just like this right here. And I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Say with me, Heavenly Father, pray it out loud. Heavenly Father, at this moment, I make a bold declaration of faith. I am closing the gap in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I close the gap. Now bring those hands together right now and begin to thank God. Begin to thank God. You prayer, you prayer warriors, you prayer helpers, begin to just pray for the folks right now. Begin to just pray for the folks in the name of Jesus. Leave your hands up just like this. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. 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 Oh, hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' wonderful name, I praise you for it, dear Lord. I praise you for it, dear Lord. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. All over the building with your hands lifted, let's thank God for mighty, mir mighty miracles. Mighty miracles that are happening right now in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the name of Jesus. Now listen very carefully to me. I want you to accept what God has done, but I want to do one more thing. Those of you that raised your hands, and there were dozens of you who said, I need to know that I know that my sins are forgiven. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want everybody to pray this prayer to help these folks that are praying, and many of them possibly for the first time in their life. But if you lifted your hand and you want to know that you know that you know that your sins are forgiven, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Everybody pray with me this prayer. Pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you today for loving me 
just like I am. I confess to you all of my sins and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, died upon a cross, and rose again. And I boldly declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah.